Howdy friends, welcome to Experience Design with Tony Dosat. I happen to be Tony Dosat. If this is your first time tuning in or you're back for more, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Now, some housekeeping. This podcast is ad-free and my plans are to keep it that way. However, I do want to tell you about something. Over and over again, I get questions in my DMs like, how do I become a UX designer? Or how do I get hired as a UX designer? Or I don't know why I'm not getting hired, etc., etc., etc. You get the idea. Well, never fear. I am creating a course for all of you UX design hopefuls out there. It hasn't launched yet, obviously. But I am running a special little promotion for all of you listeners. If you head over to HiredUX.com, H-I-R-E-D-U-X.com, and pop in your email address, you will be the first to know about the launch, and you'll get 50% off the entire course price. Now then, with that out of the way, let's just jump into this week's conversation. My guest this week is the co-founder and CEO of the Participation Agency, having worked with brands such as Airbnb, Soylent, Alienware, Acer, Red Bull, Oreo, Foursquare, Budweiser, Pandora, the list goes on and on. She is reinventing the agency model and strives to develop radical experimental campaigns with brands as partners, not clients. She was named Inc.'s Millennial CEO Rising Star and one of Adweek's disruptors. The participation agency has won multiple awards and is often named on Inc.'s fastest-growing private companies list. Boom! It is my honor to introduce Ms. Ruthie Shoulder. Ruthie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I mean, my gosh, I read an intro like that because I do my internet stalking. Yeah. These are some companies, Ruthie. They are, yeah. So, pretty crazy. Let's just start where we start. Yeah. It looks like, again, based on my internet stalking, that you jumped right into this thing to creating this agency. Why did you do it? Why did you start the participation agency? There are a lot of ways to answer that question. I'll try to touch on all of them. Go for I it. really had an entrepreneurial background. So in my 20s, I worked in the entertainment business for a couple of years. And then I started a business when I saw something in the marketplace that I thought was like kind of interesting and, and an opportunity. And I started something and it got a ton of press, but it made no money. Yeah. And that partnership ended up going away, which I think a lot of first time business partnerships do. And when I knew that that was kind of on the outs for me, I applied to business school and I got into NYU and I was doing the the nighttime part-time program at NYU, getting my MBA. And I was selling my gluten-free baked goods around New York City while I was doing that Wow! because I had like gone from selling a service and I wanted to try selling a product. And I'm just one of those people where if I want to do something, I just, once I've talked myself into it, like that's kind of it. So I was doing that during business school and did these like entrepreneurial things. And then after school, I actually had this really interesting thing where I 
was like trying to beat the entrepreneurial spirit out of me. And I was like, I just want to go work at a giant corporation and I want to like a salary and I want hours and I want all this stuff. And nobody would hire me. (laughs) And for real, like I was like having all these like informational, like I was having all these interviews and every job description would say, we want somebody with an entrepreneurial spirit. And then when it would come down to it, they would say, we actually need the person who has done this job before. Yeah. Which was like so frustrating. And then finally, you know, a couple of months into that process, I was just like, oh, that's not my path. And I then ran into my now business partner, Jess Kressler. We had known each other through the NYU marketing scene. And she had, she's like, I'm getting this thing going, like, come on board. I was kind of like, I really like Jessica. We've done some projects together before. I literally have nothing to lose. I have nothing else going on. And so we started the agency and neither of us have agency backgrounds, which is really, really like amazing and freeing because in New York, agency culture is like really rough. And honestly, Mm. if you offered me to go work at a different agency, I would probably not accept (laughs) So we were like, how do we create something different from both like how you, you know, mentor employees and company culture to what your offering is to how you deal with clients and really what you're putting out into the world. And we were just like, how do we build the business that we want to work at that we think is actually bringing value to, you know, partners and like kind of to the world through our marketing programs. And so that's how we started. And then we really honed in on experiential as this part of marketing that was really growing at the time financially, like companies were spending more and more money on it, but they didn't necessarily know how to throw a live experience that would actually achieve the business results that they needed to achieve. So we came together and we said, if we can come up with ideas that we think are like very, very creative and very strategic that work, we'll have something here. And that's what we did. And, you know, we haven't taken any funding. We're just two of us on the business. And from the beginning, we said we want to start a business that makes money on day one. And we mm. did that. Like we started the business with clients, like with, with our first clients. And so we were able to do that and able to kind of grow it like kind of slowly brick by brick. That is really amazing because also during this, you had twins, right? Yes. I have twins that are five years old. That's intense. My wife had yeah. a business and she had our son and she's like, all right, let's pile through this. Let's do it. And then got pregnant again. And our kids are only 11 months apart. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell people. A lot people, of curse on your podcast. Oh, please. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I tell people and they get it. And other times I go, so she was at my son's first birthday and they go, oh my gosh. So my wife sold the business and all this stuff. So yeah. I get how crazy that time is, and especially with twins, especially you and a co-founder, how do you get through that? So I look at it kind of a couple of different ways. So when I found out that I was having twins, I was so shocked. And then like 10 minutes, and also like I went to the doctor, I found I was having twins. I got on the subway. I went back to my office. I wrote a presentation and I flew to Vegas the next day for CES. Like it was cuckoo. But I also... As a business owner, having twins is honestly incredible because if you want to have more than one kid, kind of like doing it all at once (laughs) was actually really amazing. And now like I have these two amazing kids who from day one have been on the same schedule, have been in all the same classes. Like we have the babysitter that can manage both of them, like whatever it is, being able to have it kind of be like combined in a way is actually very efficient. 
And I sort of realized that I also didn't know any different. Like this is all I've known. I don't, I don't have other kids. So this was just like how every new parent is like thrown into it. I was just thrown into it in this particular way. I also, you know, I took like kind of like eight real weeks off after I had the babies. And then I went to go see a project that we had just launched and I saw Jessica and she had like broken her foot on site and she hadn't slept in like a million days. And I was like, I guess I'll see you on Monday in the office. Like she thought she was like going to fucking like, I thought she was going to like pass out or something. She was so torn. So I, so, and then I kind of like eased my way back in a little bit, but the thing that, you know, is interesting is that I I do travel a lot and that was actually a lot easier when the kids were younger, but we've had increase in sales every single year, except the year that I gave birth was the only year we were flat in sales. And just as a woman, like I think about that all the time of just how crazy that is and how that's just the reality of sort of being a woman and being a woman in business of there are trade-offs and, you know, I look at our numbers, I look at our historical numbers and every year, that year sticks out to me of like, we were flat that year. And like, of course, like I had twins and it was a huge thing and it's totally fine. But like, I think about that from the gender placement and from, you don't want to use the word like fairness, but also kind of like there are real consequences kind of like in all of the ways that you cut it. So that is really awesome. Let me be remarkably candid here for a second. And yeah, at the same time, probably remarkably ignorant. Okay. I'm sitting here and I'm going, man, that is so impressive and so awesome and so inspiring for so many people, regardless of male or female. Now, if I were sitting here discussing this exact same story, take out the kids and the time off with a man, I would be impressed, but probably not as impressed just because of what it takes being a female, having the kids, doing all of these things. Now, I want there to be a time when we have a dialogue like this, and it's not like, oh, awesome for you being a woman doing it. It's like, no, you're just doing it because you're awesome. Right. Yeah. It doesn't exist right now, does it? Yeah. Why well, Jessica and I talk about this all the time because I like love talking about women in business, but I'm also looking forward to the day when it's like, doesn't have to be a conversation. Right. That's yeah. kind of what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. I think we but have to celebrate I, it now. Yeah. So in the future. Feel, yeah. I don't feel close to that time. Like I still think it's like a very necessary conversation because yeah. I think that there are so many people on both sides of it who like just really don't understand the experience. Right. Like, I think it's really important, but it will be awesome if we ever get to that point of just like, not even something we have to talk about because it's a given that everybody understands. It's a mountain to climb. And yeah. I, I think you should be very proud that you are one of the ones inspiring others to climb the same mountain. And kudos to you. I think it is really awesome. Now, let me ask you, part of my research, I saw that you did like a children's clothing line. Yeah. Was that yeah. the other startup you talked about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It got the press, but didn't really take off. Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to give you the origin of that one? Give me the little elevator rundown of that. Yeah, it's actually kind of, I think it's kind of interesting. I was working at Saturday Night Live and I was the assistant to the guy who was directing all the fake commercials. 
No kidding. And I spent a lot of time with his teenage daughters and I was in my early twenties and, you know, we weren't that far apart in age and I'd grown up in New Jersey and they were in, you know, Rockland County or something. And I just had this aha moment where I go, their relationship to fashion was so different from what my relationship to fashion had been like seven years before and across a different bridge. And I was just like, there's something happening here and there's something happening in the marketplace here. And it was also around the same time when designers, like high-end designers were making kids lines. And so like moms were shopping for themselves and shopping for their kids at the same places. And it was such like the DIY mentality was really starting to take hold and they were all having blogs and taking their mom's scarves and doing these crazy things with them. And I was just like this sort of like kid, teen, tween community isn't being serviced by the fashion industry in a way Mm. that I thought was like enough. And so my partner at the time had been a fashion editor at magazines and we decided to start this company called Little Bird where the, the boil down nugget of it is that parents would kind of like hire us to buy their kids clothes. And, you know, we created experiences for these like tween young women to come and they would like make their own clothes and do all those cool things. And we did these like DIY sewing kits and stuff like that, where we just wanted to kind of acknowledge of like, we hear that you have a voice in the fashion business and the fashion industry was really starting to pay attention, but only from a direct transactional point of view. And we were like, how do you create an experience or a value add kind of service where, you know, that just taps into the buying power and the brain power that was going into it at the time from that demographic. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I wish that would have taken off. Did it not take off because of your co-founder relationship or just because it was one of those things? It was like 2008. So we actually got a little bit of traction and then like the market, you know, the recession hit and people weren't paying for things like that. But also I honestly think we were too early because like three or four years ago, people Mm. launched that like for men, I think it's called like trunk club or something like that exists now. It just, I honestly kind of think we were too early and we weren't resourced properly. Like we didn't build a platform. Like we were throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. Like it wasn't, it was not strategic business building. Like we just, we didn't resource. And, you know, if I was doing it today, knowing what I know now, I would do it very differently. But I was like, you know, 24 years old and just kind of like taking a leap of faith because I really, really, really believed. I really believed in the market opportunity. And I was just like, I want to figure out something that solves this or pushes it forward. I think it's really important to take those kind of risks, especially when you're in your 20s. Because you know, it led you to what you're doing today. And one of the things that I noticed was that you champion these radical experimental campaigns with Mm -hmm. your clients. So Mm -hmm. why is that important to you, that radical experimentation? I think fundamentally, I'm a person that likes to do things that have never been done before. I'm always kind of just like questioning the status quo of everything around me and saying, is this the right way? How can this be better? How can this be different? You know, like take a long shower one day and I'll come out with like three new ideas yeah. <laughs> that, you know, and one or two of them, I'm like, this has to see the light of day in this world. And when you are able to have a sense of like marketing, you know, expertise and business savvy, but also be very like tapped into your intuition of what you really think is going to pop in the marketplace it's really powerful and it's very hard to ignore. I feel like you and I have some things in common because you don't do boring well, do you? In my personal life, I kind of do. Like I love to just like read. 
Well, he just like, after and, like, all the work walk. and chill. Yeah. yeah. No, um, <laughs> I don't do boring well. I'm, I don't do boring well. No, I'll like procrastinate like the most mundane task. Yeah. As a decompression exercise, I do boring great. Right. But everything else, like, I mean, it's almost every night. My wife and I are just riffing on these ideas that we have. Yeah. And some of them we turn into things and some of them we don't. Yeah. Like we had a company yeah. and it's just like, boom, and then we sell it. And then she has another idea. We, yeah. I think it's a certain makeup, the way that you're raised or what is it for you? It's an interesting question. In my family, there are a lot of entrepreneurs. Like everybody kind of works for themselves, but in more like stable industries, like in real estate and things like that. Um, oh, right. I don't know. It's just honestly how I'm built. It's not something that I like turned on. I just realized in my 20s, I mean, I always had leadership qualities. And I think for me, that's really been a big part of it too, because I'm not shy to speak up about ideas. I've never been shy to like talk to new people. I'm very curious. And I think that once your brain starts going, and if you're a doer, like I'm an Aries, I'm a very proactive, very persistent person. And yeah. like, I think that there's honestly just part of my DNA of just like, when if I think that something is right, I will just like go gangbusters to make it happen. Because once I'm hooked on something, I'm really hooked on it. So, yeah. Let me pivot really quick here. I've got a couple more questions for you. Mm -hmm. So why is it important to you and to the participation agency to refer to clients and think of clients as partners and not clients? Yeah. yeah. So in our work, because we build these experiences for brands, I'll give you the low level answer and then the high level answer. The low level sure. answer is that when we're building these experiences for brands, there's a lot of production that happens. And in our line of business, there are a lot of production companies and we are not just a production company. Like we really don't execute off of other people's creative because at the end of the day, we're creatives, we are marketers and we're strategists. And it's really, really, really important to us to stand behind the work. And so like, these are ideas that we come up with that we then build out together with our brand partners. And it's just important to us to do things that we think are the right marketing solutions for whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. And so when you have a relationship that feels a little bit more like transactional or vendor based, like it just doesn't happen. Mm. But on, you know, the more high level answers, like we are thought partners, like we are thinkers first and we are problem solvers first. And so if there's a brand that really just wants to look at you of like, they're going to do all the brain power and you're just really going to be their execution partner, that's great for a lot of people, but that's not our approach. Our approach is like, we are in this with you together. We've chosen to work together because we're values aligned. We believe in your business model, whatever it is. And we don't take on projects that we don't care about. And we don't take on projects that aren't aligned with our values. So if I care about something, I want to be a part of it. And if I'm agreeing to do it, it's because I truly think I can add value. And so just leveling the playing field of saying, I am your thought partner here and we're in this together. It's a very different tone to kick off with than just, I am a team that's here to serve you. And that yeah. mentality works for a lot of agencies. It honestly is how most agencies work. But we have a client who's amazing, who from day one said to us, like, my agency partners are extensions of my team. I never want to hear anybody call the vendor. I never want there to be a separation. We are one unit. And that really like trickled down to us because 
that is the best way to work. When you feel like you're a team, you feel like I want to spend your dollars wisely. You want to hire me because you believe in what I bring to the table. You just kick off in a much stronger way. I think that is dynamite truth right there. And it really says something because words matter. And this dynamic of client vendor, it's a separation where things can get misinterpreted. Things can be explained because they're the client. Oh, we're just the vendor, whatever it is. Where if you come at it together, where it's shared risk, it's shared reward and all these things, not like you get some sort of cut or percentage of the company, but just because they're spending money doesn't mean they have all the risk. Totally. And also, you know, if you're hiring us, it's because you believe in our expertise. And so I want to feel like I can sit around a table with you and tell you when I think you're wrong. Yeah. Because if I'm just yesing you because I just want to take your check, it's very different. And the result is going to be very different than when I can say, I hear you, but how about we look at it this way? And that is a really big, like, it's those moments where we end up doing the best work because that's just how you create the best product. It takes a lot. And that's exactly right. The product in the end is the thing that shines because of it. Yeah. So before I ask my final question that I ask every guest, where do you want people to go to check out the participation agency or to connect with you? Yeah. So our website is thisisthepa.com. And I my email is ruthie, R-U-T-H-I-E, at thisisthepa.com. And then I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not really on the other socials. Sweet. Yeah. So my final question that I ask every guest is, what object or thing that is non-digital means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? I don't have like the most deep answer to this, but I have a watch that I've been wearing for 10 years now. That's a uh, long time. Yeah. It's like the thing that I would be sad about the most if something happened to it, obviously aside from like my children and all that kind of stuff. But um, I actually wore like a Casio digital watch my whole life because I wanted to be able to use the little light when I was in the movies. And then when I turned 25, my mom said, you know, we want to want to buy you watch. And it actually took me two years to pick this one that I really, really, really love. And it's not available anymore. And it's like not, I don't know why I feel so connected to it, but like, I feel really connected to it in this bizarre way. Like it's very precious to me for kind of no reason. (laughs) It's the only thing that I own that I like have assigned that kind of value to for some strange emotional connection. (laughs) You know, it's funny that you say that. I've had another guest that said her watch as well. Yeah. And we dug into it a little bit, but we didn't let it go too far because we were about to like rabbit hole into like, what does time mean? And all these things. But there's something there, I think. Anyway. (laughs) Like wear it every day. And this necklace that I'm actually wearing today would be my second thing that I was always under the impression my grandmother got me. It's this like antique Middle Eastern coin. And I was just like, oh, my grandmother got this for me. And like, I love it so much. And my mom the other week was like, I bought that for you in an airport. And I was like, (laughs) what? No way. That like ruined. That's so sad for, for you. Just like totally blew the lid off of that for me. Oh, that's um, so good. I know. I was like, can you take that back? And can you just like have me think that this is my like special connection to like my late grandma? <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. 
Woo! Okay. Ruthie Shoulder, the Participation Agency. Thank you so much for being on. It was a delight. Thank you for having me. Until next time. That will do it for this week, friends. Thank you again to my guest, and thank you again to all of you tuning in. I can't tell you how valuable you are to me. I would also like to give a really special shout out to all of the new patrons of the show, including, of course, my new executive producer, Brian Sullivan. Now, if you're wondering how you might best support the show, head over to patreon.com slash xd podcast that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash xd podcast i also have a link in the show notes and check out all the perks of becoming a patron of the show here and listen if patreon doesn't float your boat if it's not your thing i get it but a subscribe or a view or share it's always just as meaningful as something like patreon to me It really is so impactful. So with that, I can't wait to have you back next week. But until then, friends, stay curious. Experience Design is part of XD Media, LLC. All opinions are my own and do not reflect those of my current or former employers.